As we interact with God's Word, I occasionally will mention that uh, in my preaching, my teaching, that springs from a love affair, my love for God, my love for the two of you, or for the two of you, for you as a congregation, not the two of you, but also my love for Scripture and a desire to be faithful to Scripture as we share and interact with God's Word. And you notice in the bulletin we'll say, no opportunity for obedient listening. As we interact with God's Word, it's not just to fill our head, it's to live it out, practice it in our day-by-day living. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Christ living and also written in the Scripture. As we reflect on Christ saying it is finished, and look at what was finished when he died on the cross. We want to be attentive hearers and doers of your word. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. As we consider scripture this morning, we consider some applications looking at not only what scripture says, but what that looks like in living it out. I want you to select a sin or a temptation that is a struggle for you. Just think about a sin or a temptation that is a struggle for you. I'm not going to ask you to share it, but I want you to take that sin or struggle and use it as we go through the sermon this morning, as we seek to apply what we discuss from Scripture. When Christ died, he said, it is finished. The curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom, indicating that There is now access to God directly through Christ. The centurion said, surely this was the son of God. Affirming what his father had said about Jesus after his baptism. We've been discussing the book of Mark. We've looked at Mark's gospel. And several weeks ago, we discussed Mark chapter 15. And we discussed the fact that Christ died. And you look at John's gospel also. Christ would have cried as he died, it is finished. So we're taking a couple of Sundays to reflect on it is finished. What was finished at the cross? And as we think about finished last week and just in way of review, a brief definition, finish means to place in the condition of finality. Almost everything we do on this earth is not done. We eat. We can say, I'm done eating until the next meal. We can say, I mowed the lawn, we're done mowing until we mow again. Christ placed something in a condition of finality. It was completed once for all. It was completed at a point in time with permanent, continuing results. So when Christ said, it is finished, what he finished was done once for all. The work of Christ in the cross involves the coin of reconciliation, the coin of salvation, but it has two sides. You can take a coin, it's a single coin, but it has two sides. What was finished? Payment for sin. The penalty for sin was paid. Nothing else can be done in terms of payment for sin. It was done once for all. Also, 
victory in daily life, victory over the enemies, was accomplished in the cross once for all. So when we think of penalty of sin, that was taken care of in the past. We think about victory in day-by-day living, that was provided in the past through the cross. So as you think about the sin or temptation that you picked out, the penalty was paid through Christ. The victory was paid or provided through Christ. There's victory over the enemies. Both the penalty and the victory is totally and completely dependent upon Christ. If you were to blindfold six or seven people and you were to go to a zoo and go to an elephant and you're blindfolded, you might feel it and you might feel the leg and you say, oh, it's like a trunk of a tree. Another person might feel the tail and say, oh, it feels like a rope. Someone might feel the trunk and say, well, it feels like something big here, you know, it moves. So when we look at Christ and it is finished, We're going to, again, look at some of the different elements. We looked at a few last week. We want to look at a few more this week that are involved in what Christ finished. We looked at Hebrews 9 and 7, chapter 10. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews has an overall thrust of Christ is better than Moses, Aaron, the prophets, and so on. But it also has an underlying thrust of genuine faith perseveres. In Hebrews 10, beginning with verse 1, ties in with the penalty being paid. Hebrews 10 and verse 1. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly, year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, would they have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have to be cleansed once for all and would no longer have to feel guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Reflecting on the Old Testament, the sacrificing was never done. There was a continual ongoing system of sacrifice. Verse 5, therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offering and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am, as it is written about me in the scroll. I've come to do your will, O God. First he said, sacrifices and offerings. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them although the law required them to be made. Then he said, here I am. I've come to do your will. He set aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Christ's sacrifice was once for all. He completed paying for the penalty of sin. Done. We come to faith in Christ. We may be tempted, we may be sin, or we may sin, 
but the penalty has already been paid in Christ. So whatever sin, temptation you're thinking about that you struggle with, the penalty was paid in Christ. But not only was the penalty paid, the victory was also provided. Let's look at Romans chapter 6. And again, realize we're leaping into a context. But Romans chapter 6, we find that Paul has discussed sin. He's discussed in chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, a righteousness available from God. In chapter 6, he talks about the fact that in Christ, we have died to sin. Romans 6 and verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Apparently, some people are thinking, I sin a lot. God forgives a lot. That shows God's grace and how great it is. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. Perish the thought. We died to sin. How can we live any longer in it? Or don't you know that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. He goes on, and we won't discuss the entire chapter, to talk about the fact that if we were united with him in his death, we've been united with him in his resurrection. And he tells us to count ourselves dead. Now, I want you to think about baptism as being placed into. When a sinner comes to faith in Christ, he's placed into Christ. Let the envelope represent Christ. Let this pen represent Christ. The repentant, believing sinner. The repentant, believing sinner believes in Christ. He's placed into Christ. So whatever happens with Christ happened to him. So whatever happens to the envelope, if I put it on the piano, where's the pen? On the piano. I take the envelope and place it on the pulpit. Where's the pen? On the pulpit. Because it's in the envelope. Paul is saying when Christ died, the believer died with Christ. When Christ arose from the dead, the believer arose from the dead because we're united to Christ. As Philippians 2 and verse 1 says, we have union with Christ. So when Christ died, he not only provided the penalty for sin... Payment for that. He provided the victory over sin in day by day living. So in chapter 6 and verse 11, Paul says, Count yourself dead to sin. So the sin or temptation that you thought about or are thinking about, you're dead to it in Christ. And you have life in Christ. Now, as we think about the penalty for sin, it's done. That was provided in the past. The payment was made. 
as it relates to victory in daily life, it was also done in the past in Christ. It's not an issue of trying more. It's an issue of reckoning what we have in Christ. Penalty paid. Victory provided. Now, what was provided? Or how do we respond to what Christ has done? We respond to grace. Christ's death, it is finished, was the grace of God being manifested. So with the penalty of sin, we respond to grace. In victory over sin, we're responding to God's grace. See, the Christian walk is not one of duty, of doing. It's an issue of responding to what has already been done in terms of penalty, in terms of victory. What has been provided? Because the penalty has been provided... We come to faith in Christ, there's a relationship with God. We're not only delivered from hell and going to heaven, we have a relationship with God, we have a relationship with Christ. So the focus in daily living is not to be on the temptation with which you struggle, the sin with which you struggle, but upon Christ, upon God, with whom you have a relationship. See, it's kind of like a parent and a child. A child can either respond to mom and dad or they can live in fear of mom and dad. Responding to mom and dad because there's a relationship that is present. So a child may be thinking, got to behave, I'll get zapped if I don't. Got to behave, I'll get zapped if I don't. I got to tell the truth today because if I don't, I'll get zapped. And they focus on their life around Fear of what mom and dad might do rather than I have a relationship with mom and dad that cannot change. I'm related to them. I'm their son. I'm their daughter. Think about God. The penalty has been paid. We have this relationship. God is working for your good, for your profit. He wants you to deal with sin. That's why he paid the penalty. But there's a relationship there. Oh, I got to watch it. I got to live a sin-centered life. Got to avoid all these sins. Live a God-centered, Christ-centered life. Because Christ not only provided a relationship with God, but our walk with God. God has already provided in Christ the victory over sin and over temptation. It's already provided. It's there in Christ. So the reality is that in terms of payment for sin, when Christ said it is finished in light of Hebrews and Romans 6, we have died to. Any temptation that we face We're dead. Its power has been broken. The temptation is real, but its power has been broken. 
and we have been raised to life. Now think about dying to something. Years ago when Danny had Champ, the beagle, I think, right, Danny? The beagle, and he was away for a couple of days, and Jason was going up to take care of Champ while Danny was going, and uh, Jason fed the dog, and can't remember if it was the last day before Danny came home or after Danny came home, and said, uh, Champ's just not moving. And Danny went up and came back and said, well, Champ died. All the food was there. He hadn't eaten it, hadn't touched it. Why? Because Champ was dead to food, separated to food. That food did not tempt Champ whatsoever because Champ was physically dead. Think about the sin or the struggle that you have in your mind. You have died to it. Its power has been broken. And Paul says in Romans 6, count yourself dead to that, but alive to God. That's why in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, put away lying. You've died to that and put on the truth. You're alive to that. So whatever temptation or sin that you are having in your mind, you're processing You've died. The victory has already been won. It's not an issue of trying harder. It's an issue of counting what was done in Christ in terms of death to and raised to. See, in the Old Testament, there was a continual sacrifice. There was a continual doing something, a continual offering to be paid. But in Christ, the penalty, if you've come to faith in Christ, for the sin or temptation that you're dealing with, has already been paid. It's done. It's kind of like my coming home and saying, Dad, I just want you to know that uh, I abused your car last night. I left a lot of rubber in the road and I was speeding and so on. And Dad says, Dan... What you did was wrong, but I can't give you a penalty for it because I already paid it. I'm not saying parents don't give penalty when your children do wrong. What I'm saying is God provided the payment, the penalty for our sin. That's already done. But he also provided the victory. Oh, I'll try to live a good life. I'll try to deal with this sin. Let's stop trying and counting what God says to be true as true. The victory has been provided in Christ. So we're tempted to sin. Temptations are real. They're legitimate. The temptation is there. I'm dead to this sin. I don't have to yield to it. Christ broke the power of it. I will say no, and I will say yes to obedience. It's a choice of reckoning what God has said as being true. In terms of result, when Christ said it is finished, 
We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Blessed with every spiritual blessing. Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 is rich in that. Colossians 1 and 2. Romans 5, 6, 7, 8. Very rich in. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Well, I've got to focus on this sin. I don't want to sin. No, focus on your spiritual blessings. And when you're tempted to sin, you recognize you've already been blessed so that there can be victory in Christ because your life is in Christ. When Christ said it's finished, he provided the victory. Struggles, battles, yes. But the victory provided. Through Christ, we can cease looking to our own own effort when it comes to dealing with sin and temptation. We're not able to have victory over sin and temptation in and of ourselves. Christ died to substitute already paid the price. I blew it. I sinned. I did this. I did that. God's going to zap me. The penalty has been paid in Christ. So you don't look to your own effort and all that you can do. Well, I'll go to church more. I'll give a little more money and that'll take care of this sin. No, it's been paid in Christ. But also victory over sin and temptation is not to look to our own effort because we're not able, but to look outside of ourself and to look to Christ. Talking to a gentleman one time who was having an intense battle and he had had a battle for quite a few years with a particular temptation and struggle. And as we talked, I said, let's go to Romans 6. And we sat down and we went through Romans 6. We discussed Romans 6. You've been placed into Christ. When Christ was buried, you were buried. When Christ was raised, you were raised. Count yourself dead to sin. And I said, I want you to imagine that sin is like a rope that has you tied up. You're shackled. When Christ died, he cut the rope. So when Christ died and rose from the dead, the rope of sin that has been holding you has been cut. You're free now to say no to it. You can resist it. You can say no to sin and obedience to God. A couple of days later, he called me. He said, I just want you to know, Pastor, I've been victorious. A couple of weeks later, I saw him we t- We're talking, and he said, Pastor, I'm victorious. I'm counting myself to be dead. I've been unshackled from that sin through Christ. As we think about what is finished, in Christ, a position has been provided. That is... We're forgiven, we're redeemed, we're justified. That's provided in Christ. 
For the believer who has come to faith in Christ, redeemed, forgiven, justified, and so on, that's a position. It's not dependent upon a condition because the position is dependent upon Christ and what he's already done. Sometimes we live in sin. We dwell on how we have done and not have done so well. But the penalty has been paid. It would be like me going to the police years ago when I get caught for speeding when I was 19, I guess. I lost my license for a month. I get fined, got seven points, had to go to school. No, I got, I whined and complained to dad. I said, dad, this isn't fair. You know, I got the book thrown at me. Did you speed? I don't think I was going as fast as the police said. You know, I, dad didn't have any sympathy on me. But I went to school. I lost my license and I paid the fine. Now, suppose six months later, I went back to the police and I said, hey, I've been thinking about this fine. I've been thinking about losing my license. And I've been thinking about going to school because of my many points. When do I go to school? When do I lose my license? And when do I pay the fine? I've really been worried about this. And the policeman says, look, you went to school, you paid the fine, and you were without your license for 30 days, correct? Yes. Well, then the penalty's been paid. You don't need to worry about it anymore. We battle with sins and temptations, but the penalty has been paid in Christ. It's already been done. Why do we live in it? Why do we dwell on it? Why do we carry it around? It's been paid. But also, in victory in daily life, we have a position of victory. We may not always live it, but the position is there. It's present. It doesn't change. It doesn't depend upon how we live. Whether we say no to sin or not, whether we reckon ourselves dead to sin or not and alive to Christ, the victory is still there. We may battle, but the victory is there. Our position, that remains a constant. Well, I'm going to try to live better as a Christian. I'm going to try to resist this sin. Quit trying. You can't. When tempted, I'm in Christ. I'm dead to this sin. The power's already been broken. And I'm alive to God. And I don't say that lightly or in a trite manner as though it's just nothing, that temptations aren't real. When they come... Live accordingly. Count yourself dead, but alive. The position does not change. When Christ cried on the cross, it is finished. The penalty is paid, the victory has been provided. Both are done. 
So whatever temptation, whatever struggle you've been working through in the sermon this morning, if you're a believer in Christ, the penalty has been paid. The victory has been won. Will you, will I live in light of that? It is finished. It's not just three words. Victory has been won. Hebrews talks about it. Romans talks about it. Ephesians talks about it. The victory that has been won. You say the penalty is done. It's been paid for. Yes. The victory has been won. Yes. So I can live as I please. Yes. Because as we understand the penalty has been paid, the victory has been won, then Philippians chapter 2, verses 13 and 12 and 13 have an impact. Listen as I read. Therefore, my dear friends, have you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. He has just discussed the fact that there's encouragement being united to Christ in verse 1. Comfort from his love, fellowship with the Spirit. And then he talks about Christ and Christ being willing to come to this earth and being obedient to death, even death on the cross. And then he says, obey. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And the fear and trembling here is not that which I'm afraid of something. The fear as you check out the uh, Greek is kind of, I can't believe God would do that for me. It's so awesome, it's so great that God would send Christ to pay the penalty for my sin. I respond with a trembling before him, not of fear, but of reverence. I've mentioned in the past that one of the greatest incentives for my obedience to mom and dad was not my fear of them, my fear of punishment. There was a fear, there was a trembling that I would hurt mom and dad if I sinned because I knew they loved me. They cared for me. They wanted what was best for me. When they instructed me and told me no and yes and so on, it was for what was best for me. Now think about God in that way. He's paid the penalty. He's provided victory. We have his word. He's given his spirit to live within us. That's for our well-being. That moves us to fall on our knees before God. And God, I just want to surrender to you. I'm fearful of hurting you. I'm trembling that you would send Christ to provide this penalty for my sin, this victory over sin. I'm coming to you in humble yieldedness because you're at work in me 
according to your good purpose. It's the good news of Jesus Christ that we experience. It's the good news of Jesus Christ that we can share with others. It's done. It's finished. Hebrews 10, Romans 6, and related passages. Will we humbly say, God, I want to yield to you because of Christ and what he has done. Let's sing together in Christ alone. Travis?